You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome once again. It's the throwback league and i'm your host josh lewin this is a 48 team tournament celebrating baseball nostalgia players you used to love or hate but have long since forgotten about we reanimate them for you as we play a game each week for 48 weeks involving the 32 world series champions from the mid 70s to the mid double o's we have an at-large field of 16 pennant winners thrown in there too we simulate the games on whatifsports.com's algorithm great website check that out our website's pretty great. It's live. You can check the progress of the brackets. We are thethrowbackleague.com. For you today, we have a 5-seed and a 12-seed, the winner advancing to play the 4-seed, the 91 Twins, led by Kirby Puckett. But today, Battle of Lefties, the screwball artist El Tiante, Luis Tiant, leads the 75 Red Sox into Bank One Ballpark. They play the 2001 Arizona Diamondbacks, and their lefty ace, 21-game winner, Randy Johnson. We'll get to the scene set in short order. The game will take place in the desert, not in the fens. No duck boats, just cactus. But let's start with the visitors. Let's take you back to the 1975 Red Sox. Ned Martin and Jim Woods had quite the year to call on WHDH back in Boston. 95 and 65 in the regular season, a sweep of the three-time defending World Series champion athletics in the ALCS. Chance to win the World Series against the Big Red Machine. Carlton Fisk's extra inning drive to left stayed fair, won him game six. But after taking a 3-0 lead in game seven, Bill Lee hung the pitch to Tony Perez, yada, yada, yada. Back in spring training, the talk had to do with the decision by Tony Canigliero to try and maybe come back one more time. There was a salary hassle concerning Tion. Owner Tom Yawkey, you might know, tended to throw money around like manhole covers. Carlton Fisk broke his arm. The team was mostly in second place all spring. But then getting Denny Doyle from the California Angels was a shot in the arm. He had a 22-game hit streak at one point. And the division fell the Red Sox way in a rainy late September. Five straight rainouts at Fenway that final week. They needed a doubleheader sweep of the Indians to get things clinched up when Fenway finally did dry out. And Tiant beat Dennis Eckersley in the fog in Game 1. Game 2 was a shutout by Reggie Cleveland against Cleveland. And the next day when the Orioles lost twice at Yankee Stadium, that was that. Our pregame analyst, former Sunday Night Baseball voice on ESPN, former Red Sox radio man John Miller, has his own memories to share. The 75 Red Sox were a team with, with great talent. They had two, two great players who were rookies that year who both came along at the same time, Fred Lynn and Jim Rice, to be added to the great veteran core of uh, uh, Carl Yastrzemski, Carlton Fisk, and, uh, and on down the list. They had also uh, Cecil Cooper, who was still a young, budding superstar, uh, Reggie Smith, who had, who had it all. So uh, that was just an exciting team, but they uh, were a team that uh, uh, was suited to Fenway Park. Dwight Evans, who I think should be in the Hall of Fame, was a young guy on the rise uh, at that time as well. 
Thanks, John. So what else was happening in 1975 besides New England falling in love with the Fred Lynn, Jim Rice thing? Well, the big world-changing event, HBO, put itself on the pop culture map. It broadcast a thriller in Manila. Top song was truly horrible. It was Love Will Keep Us Together by the captain and Tennille. Hope you're enjoying this a little more. The movies to watch were the Rocky Horror Picture Show and Jaws. In one of those, we were asked to do the time warp again. In the other, it was suggested a bigger boat may possibly be needed. If you were going through puberty that year, you certainly knew the names Adrienne Barbeau, Barbie Benton, Linda Carter, and Charo Hoochie No matter what your age, you learned about two all-beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. The cool people were all getting in on Betamax. The kids were all about $6 million man action figures, trackball, or pet rocks. Your Super Bowl nine champions, Terry Bradshaw's Pittsburgh Steelers, and across the Keystone State, the Broad Street Bullies brought the Stanley Cup to Philadelphia. With that in mind, let's get to the lineups for the 1975 Red Sox, managed by Daryl Johnson. Carl Yastrzemski leads off. He's at first. Bernie Carbo, Fred Lynn, Carlton Fiskall follow. Jim Rice in left. Denny Doyle at second. Rick Burleson, the shortstop. Rico Petroselli, 32 years old now at third. Luis Tiant pitching and batting ninth. Anytime, any place, you can get that real beer taste. That light, refreshing, natural flavor. That beer is bush. Yeah, the Cuban lefty actually had a big base hit in Game 1 of the World Series that year, but that was uh, a very important game to him for very personal reasons, as he will explain to us now, right here at the Throwback League. See, I, I don't see my father for 14 years, and I thought I was never going to see him again for my mother. And they're coming, but they're coming before the World Series. I think they're coming like in July. Yeah. And, I, and when they're coming, I have a problem with my back a little bit. Then I don't want pitching that great. But uh, I, I'm coming back in the end. I start coming back again, you know. Then we go to a playoff, I beat Oakland. Then we go to a World Series, I beat Cincinnati, the first two games. You know, uh, for me, it was the max. Because... Uh, well, I ask God every day, you know what I mean? I know a lot of my friends die. A lot of my friends, they, they, mom and dad die in Cuba and they can't even know what they're burning or what. You know, that's a sad thing to happen. Uh, uh, like for me, it takes me 46 years to come back to Cuba. And, uh, you know, and see my mom and dad, that's the first time my father see me pitch. And when I pitch in Cuba in 1961, the winter ball, the last winter war we played, he never see me pitch. And now he come in and see me pitch. And at least I ask God, please don't, don't let that happen to me, that my friend die or, or the family, you know, the Pama die in Cuba and they can go. Don't do that to me. Let me, let me see my parent. After that, you can do whatever you want. Luis Tian shutting out the Big Red Machine in Game 1 in front of his parents in from Cuba on a special visa. And he leads off the decisive seventh inning with a base hit off Don Gullett. That's all pretty cool. More to come on the 75 Sox for sure, but now the home team, the five seed, the 2001 Arizona Diamondbacks. Obviously, 2001, a very rough year in America. Come September 11th, baseball stopped down for 10 full days and the healing process Took a really long time, but in an effort to keep things light and not bring you down, 
For this podcast, we're going to stay with the upbeat and the offbeat. We, we did have some fun in 2001, right up until that fateful Tuesday morning. If you liked this song, and, and why that would be, I have no idea. You could put it on your iPod for the first time. Those were released for the very first time a month after 9-11. The Xbox came out soon after. Everybody was watching SpongeBob SquarePants. Going to the movies, we were checking out Harry Potter, The Lord of the Rings, Shrek, Monsters, Inc. We were staying at home to ogle Eva Longoria on Desperate Housewives. We were making fun of Enron for doing all those douchey financial things. Britney Spears danced for the Python at the MTV Music Awards. The Ravens won the Super Bowl. Of course, the Diamondbacks won the World Series over the Yankees. On the Luis Gonzalez bloop on the Mariano Rivera cutter, where Derek Jeter probably should have been. But that saved the bacon of manager Bob Renly, who had been burned all series by his closer, Byung-Hung Kim. We have for you now the starting lineup for the 2001 Diamondbacks. Leading off, shortstop, Tony Womack. Everybody in this lineup is at least 31 years old, by the way. One 25-year-old on the whole team. Backup catcher Rob Rajas, who's 25. You look at the guys that uh, were the bench, Greg Colbert, Mike DeFelice, Craig Council, all 30-plus. Anyway, Jay Bell at second base. Luis Gonzalez in left. Matt Williams at third. Mark Grace, the lefty hitting first baseman. Reggie Sanders in right. Steve Finley, the center fielder. Damian Miller, the catcher. And pitching batting ninth is Randy Johnson. The 2001 Diamondbacks were only a four-year-old franchise. They had debuted in 1998 with Travis Lee as their cornerstone player. Buck Showalter managing. Some would say micromanaging. A team that started 8-31, but... Four years later, there was the big unit striking out 20 in one game against the Reds. There was a longtime Cub, Mark Grace, coming in to man first base and settle the clubhouse. There was Kurt Schilling teaming with RJ to make the best one-two pitching punch in baseball. But the bit players contributed to the likes of Junior Spivey, Alex Cintrone, David Dolucci, Danny Bautista. And in the end, a victory parade through downtown Phoenix featuring Randy Johnson riding in a fire truck that bore his name. Other baseball doings from 01, you might remember Barry Bonds hit 73 home runs. His head was the size of a harvest pumpkin when he did that, but still 73 home runs. Cal Ripken Jr. played his final big league game. He was actually in the on-deck circle when the game against the Red Sox ended that night at Camden Yards. Brady Anderson swung at a ball at his neck. Come on, Brady. Seattle won 116 games with Ichiro coming over from Japan, but they lost quickly in the ALCS to the Yankees. Joe Maurer, the first-round pick in the draft that summer. Billy Bean was just starting to think up the concept that would soon be referred to as Moneyball. So, yes, 2001 Arizona, the home team. 1975 Boston, the road team. And we are just about ready for baseball. Six-foot-ten-inch Walnut Creek, California native Randy Johnson finishing up his warm-up pros. We're here at Bank One Ballpark. Both it and the manager around here known to friends as Bob. A huge airplane hangar of a stadium, dark green walls, dark green seats, a pool out beyond right center field. Johnson here in 2001, the league best 2.49 ERA. He led the league in ERA three of his first four years in Arizona. This after a 1997 finale in Seattle where he went 20-4, 2.28. Was traded midseason in 98 to Houston, went 10-1 with a 128 ERA. In 01, he's 37 years old. He's the owner of 372 regular season strikeouts. No fluke. He averaged 350 a season his first four years in Phoenix, all those in his mid to late 30s. For his Hall of Fame career, he's going to end up with 303 wins, first ballot speed pass entry to Cooperstown. One-time second-round pick of the Expos out of USC. 
And his first couple of years in the majors, very much a work in progress. 1989 between Montreal and Seattle, 7 and 13, 4.82. Walked a lot of people. He would walk as many as 152 in a single season. But as he aged, that number fell to around half that total every year. Ten-time All-Star, five-time Cy Young Award winner. Great choice to start this one here in downtown Phoenix. And, you know, it was after his second ever big league start where he threw a complete game and struck out 11. That's when he earned that big unit nickname. Tim Raines, his teammate, approached him during the postgame interview scrum, said, you are one big unit, aren't you? And the reporters heard that. They loved that. And there you go. Kind of crazy, but Johnson started just six games for the Expos the next year. In 1989, he walked seven batters in his first one. Lasted only three innings in his second, an inning and two-thirds in his third. In early May, the Expos had made their decision. They're not going to wait around and see what this guy might become. Let's trade him to Seattle for Mark Langston. And Langston was very good, but, uh, well, it, it didn't matter. The Expos won 81-81 and 81 for a second straight year. Langston left for Anaheim four years later. The Expos would add a young pitcher named Pedro Martinez. And can you imagine that one-two punch, R.J. and Pedro? Kind of like what these 0-1 Diamondbacks have in R.J. and Schilling. Anyway, here we go. We'll get you from Schilling to the Red Sox somehow. Carl Yastrzemski's in the box. Play ball is the call. And a man affectionately known as Yaz, now 35 years old. He's been switched out to first base this year to accommodate young Jim Ed Rice. Lefty batting 269, takes a fastball strike. We are underway. Johnson threw that first one 99 miles an hour. But as they say down here, it's a dry heat. Williams off the line at third for Arizona. Womack and Bell up the middle. Grace near the line at first. Damian Miller, the catcher, hangs the sign. The pitch in the dirt, one and one, the slider. Gonzalez, Finley, Sanders left to right in the Arizona outfield. We mentioned the slider from Johnson. And that's the big-time strikeout pitch, especially to lefties. Next one is low, again, two and one. You may remember an all-star game where John Cruck made facing that slider, lefty versus lefty, high-level comedy. In spring training not too long ago, everyone was gasping, not so much laughing, when a Johnson fastball struck a passing bird with the worst flight pattern luck ever. Feathers all over the place. Two-one pitch upstairs to Yastrzemski, three and one. Fourteen home runs for Yaz this past year. Also a good year for that famous big Yaz bread stocked on the shelves all across New England. No score, just underway. 3-1, Johnson and Yastrzemski is outside. It's ball four. Walked him on five pitches. And Yaz can still run a little bit at the age of 35. Eight steals this year. Next to the plate, another lefty, Bernie Carbo. 357 batter for much of the year was Bernie Carbo, but by the end of the year, it was 257. 15 home runs. Closed-up stance wears number one on his back. Red Sox in their visiting grays wearing bright red batting helmets. Fred Lynn, number 19, moves on deck. Safe leadoff first for Yastrzemski. The pitch now cut on foul towards the third base seats. And that ball caught 10 rows back by a fan in a trucker hat, an airbrush t-shirt, and a studded belt. Watching these 0-1 Diamondbacks. Nothing in one to Carbo. Who had the key three-run homer in Game 6 of the World Series to set up the Carlton Fisk heroics. Bernie Carbo grew up in Detroit. Rocky relationship with his dad, who had, shall we say, some off-field issues, just like Bernie would later develop himself. Bernie says his dad never did congratulate him for that game-tying home run against the Reds. 
0-1 pitch fouled again right at the home plate. Johnson ahead 0-2. Five big league teams for Carbo. A bit of a vagabond. Finally got cleaned up after he retired. Said he spent his entire $120,000 inheritance from his parents on drugs. Every last dime. But he now runs a ministry down in Florida. Johnson trying to put him away here. Two strikes to count. The lefty winds and fires. Fastball chipped in the air to shallow left. Easy play for Luis Gonzalez. He's in and he's got it. One away, which brings up the 23-year-old Fred Lynn. Lynn, the dashing Chicago native, will become a nine-time All-Star, future Angel, Oriole, Tiger, and Padre, but for now the heartbeat of New England. And what a simply outstanding 1975 season. 331 average, 21 homers, 105 batted in. Led the AL in doubles, run scored, slugging percentage, finished second in batting to Rod Carew. And the pitch to him from Johnson is low, 1-0. Gold Glove Award winner, MVP, and Rookie of the Year. First player to win both in the same season. That feat later duplicated here in 2001 by Ichiro up in Seattle. 1-0 delivery now, slider zigzagging in for a strike. Mr. Snappy, they call that slider of Randy Johnson's. Ultimately, for the big unit, 4,875 strikeouts. Second all-time behind Nolan Ryan. No score. Yastrzemski the lead off first for Boston. Here's a 1-1. Lined in the center. Base hit. Sanders over with Finley towards the gap. And Sanders cutting it off. He wheels and fires in. Yaz takes the turn. He's on his way to third without a throw. Runners at the corners. Just one out. And a chance now for the Sox beloved catcher, Carlton Fisk. That may have been an easier play for Finley in the outfield, but Sanders, the right fielder, took it. Needed to turn all the way around to get the ball back in. So Yastrzemski at third, Lynn a little speed off first, just like Jim Rice, 10 steals five times caught this year. Very similar numbers across the board for those guys. Not just the same stolen base and caught stealing totals, but one guy with 21 homers, the other with 22. One with 102 runs batted in, the other 105. So the righty Carlton Fisk, he hit 331 just like Fred Lynn. Fisk only playing in 89 games this year. And Randy Johnson trying to navigate a first and third, one out situation, and a scoreless top of the first. He and his Arizona teammates wearing the home white pinstripe jerseys with the cutoff sleeves, purple sweatshirts underneath, purple caps with the teal and copper logo on it. Johnson's pitch on the way. Comet of a fastball for a strike right at the knees of Carlton Fisk. Fisk nicknamed Pudge, and he doesn't seem to mind. The commander, his other nickname, but Pudge, the one that stuck around. Next pitch, a fastball low. It's one and one. Carlton Fisk still holds the American League record for most years served behind the plate. 24 of them split fairly evenly between the, the different colored socks, red and white. 1-1 pitch to Fisk is high. This time it's 2-1. Wearing 27 on his back, he'll flip that and be 72 in Chicago. 11-time All-Star out of Bellows Falls, Vermont. Although, according to Carlton Fisk, that was only because Vermont had the, the nearest hospital to his real hometown of Charlestown, New Hampshire. 2-1 on the way. It's in the dirt. 3-1 to Carlton Fisk, who was great at basketball back in the day, back in New England. Got a lot of attention as a high school sophomore, played in a tournament at 
Boston Garden had a 42.38 rebound game. A lot of people thought basketball would be his thing. 3-1 pitch on the way. High drive towards center. That'll get the, the run home at least. Finley back. He's on the warning track here. Makes the catch. And the throw looped in towards second, holding Fred Lynn at first. But trotting home from third, Carl Yastrzemski. And the 75 Red Sox lead it here in Phoenix. It's 1-0. Now, not quite the bottom of the 12th home run off Pat Darcy in Game 6 of the World Series at Fenway, but it counts. Fisk jumping and waving the ball fair after that one, considered by many to be one of the great baseball moments. Ball off the foul pole, 7-6. Red Sox forcing Game 7. And that image of him waving the ball fair actually changed the way baseball was televised. Cameramen used to just follow the flight of the ball, but the NBC cameraman, a guy named Lou Girard, had been distracted by a rat yeah, at Fenway, and unable to follow the ball, it kept the camera trained on Carlton Fisk. That play and that replay may be the most important catalyst in getting camera operators to focus most of their attention on the players going forward. And by the way, George Foster, the Reds left fielder, caught that ball off the foul pole, recently said it's in his garage at home somewhere. So now with one on two out, Jim Rice. Flashy dresser, not much of a talker. He once threw Thomas Boswell of the Washington Post right in the trash can of the clubhouse rather than give him an interview. But what a power bat. 309 hitter this year at the tender age of 22. 22 home runs, 105 runs batted in. Righty wears a number 14. Anderson, South Carolina native, takes low from Johnson, 1-0. AL MVP in 1978, 46 home runs that year. More than twice his total this year. And he missed the playoffs here in 75. Hit on the wrist by a pitch from the Tigers' Vern Rule. Never did play in the ALCS or World Series. Outfield playing him a step or two back and around to the left. It's 1-0 Boston with the rooftop closed on a sweltering Phoenix night. And the 1-0 to the powerful right-hand batter. Fastball dribbled foul up near where Johnny Pesky picks it up in that first base coach's box. And Rice, the Sox left fielder, stepping out. Left field, such a legacy position in Boston. Ted Williams, Yastrzemski, now Rice, who's going to end up with 382 Major League home runs, Hall of Fame career, all 16 seasons spent in Boston. Back in the box now, flexes a bit as he sets up. Two quick pumps with those arms, almost like a heartbeat. Power versus power here. Randy Johnson kicks and fires. Rice swinging, ropes it in a left, but he's under it just a bit. Stays in the yard for Luis Gonzalez. At the warning track, makes the catch. And the inning comes to an end. One run, one hit, no errors, one man left. The 1975 Red Sox have the early lead. And now this word from one of our 1975 sponsors. May I help you, sir? If I wanted a Whopper and I asked you to hold the pickles and hold the lettuce, I know I'd get that fast. But would I get to hear you sing? No, sir. No? You'd get to hear us sing, girls.
Well, as for what else you may enjoy other than that, may we suggest you stop by your nearest coffee bean and tea leaf. In Arizona, you can do that. They have street-side locations and also at Phoenix Sky Harbor Airport. You know, since 1963, the Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf has been bringing you the finest coffees and teas from all around the world. Responsibly sourced ingredients, handcrafted coffees and teas, the Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf, an experience truly like no other. And now available for a limited time, try their new tiramisu ice blended or peach jasmine cold brew tea. You can pretty much have it your way at Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf, too. They just don't pay Clavon Little and a bunch of R&B singers to be in an ad back in 1975. Let's get you now to the bottom of the first. The 75 Red Sox ahead one nothing. Luis Tiant on the mound. 229 career wins, more than 2,400 strikeouts, 187 complete games. He was an all-star for three seasons, 20-game winner for four seasons, AL ERA leader in 68 and 72, AL leader in strikeouts in 1967, leader in shutouts three different years. And like a lot of pitchers, Louis Tiant broke through in 1968. That was in Cleveland after he altered his delivery so that he turned away from home plate during his motion, in effect creating a, a hesitation. And according to Tiant, the new motion was a simple response to a drop in his velocity. He had a shoulder blade injury, but twisting and turning his body into those unthinkable positions, he spends more time looking at second base than he does the plate, really, as he gets set to throw. But doing all that in 68, 1.60 ERA. Off the field, big cigars, big sunglasses, flashy hats, the Fu Manchu-style mustache. On the field, in this one, he deals initially with a left-hand hitting shortstop, Tony Womack. 266 hitter, three home runs, and Tiant pretzels himself around, brings it in. Strike called outside corner. Tiant throws a screwball. Not a pitch seen that often, certainly not here in 2001. Womack, originally a Pittsburgh Pirate out of Danville, Virginia. Stylish goatee, number five on his uniform. Tiant looks to the heavens and in again, this time in the dirt, it's one and one. One nothing Boston, and for the Sox defensively, Petroselli, number six over at third, Rick Burleson at short. Joe Garagiola described him as even-tempered. He comes to the ballpark mad and he stays that way. Denny Doyle at second base. Yaz now at first instead of left this year. Old-timers recall in the heat of the 67 Red Sox pennant race, White Sox manager Eddie Stanky said, Yastrzemski's an all-star from the neck down. So then there was a sign at Fenway, Eddie Stanky's a great manager from the ankles down. 1-0 Boston, 1-1 to Womack. Pitch moving him back off the plate. It's inside 2-1. Look at the outfield, Carbo in right, Rice in left, Fred Lynn in between them. And Fred Lynn just exudes cool, even with those reckless diving catches. If you're old enough to remember the opening credits of this week in baseball, the last two vignettes were a Fred Lynn diving catch and Pete Rose going head first in a third. Two and one, the count and the pitch from Tion. Cut on, dribbled towards short, Burleson charging, little bobble, can't get a throw away, Womack is safe. Tough chance for the rooster, Rick Burleson, who did make three errors in his Red Sox debut, but this one should be scored a hit. Womack runs so well, puts the pressure on you. And yes, sure enough, base hit is a ruling. Bringing up the right-hand hitting Jay Bell, another former Pirate. 248 hitter, 13 home runs, 46 runs batted in. Not too many sack bunts this year. This is a possible bunting situation. Bell had eight of them 
in 01, but as a Pirate 11 years before that, how about 39 of them? In 2019, the entire Angels team had four. No sign of the bunt quite yet. Womack not too big a lead at first, since it is tough to run on Tiant. First pitch, screwball, strike at the knees of Bell, nothing in one. Jay Bell now managing the Rocket City Trash Pandas, representing Huntsville, Alabama, double-A ball. He's originally from Florida, first-round pick of the Twins in 84. Traded to Cleveland as part of the deal that brought Burt Blylevin to Minnesota. No balls, one strike. Bell deep in the box in the pitch. Swing, grounder, chopped towards third. Petroselli to second for one. Denny Doyle to first, but not in time. Fielder's choice. Jay Bell takes over running where Womack used to be. No steals for Bell this year. 28 for Womack. So Tiant happy to make that trade. It brings up the amazing Luis Gonzalez. What a season. 325 batting average, 57 home runs, 142 runs batted in, 100 walks, 83 strikeouts is all. And back in 1997 in Houston, 10 home runs for the Tampa native. Then 23, 26, 31, and now 57? Now this is 2001. And for whatever reason, homers are flying here, there, and everywhere. The popular Gonzo, left-hand batter, Outfield around to right and deep against him. Pitch from Tion low. It's 1-0. To the left field foul pull here at the Bob. 330 feet. Power alleys are 374. 407 a center. Deepest left center and right center. They get it out to 413. It is 334 down by the swimming pool in that right field corner. Something they do not have back at Fenway. Gonzalez taking this time. Fastball very high. 2-0 the count. Very popular player is Gonzalez here in the desert southwest, father of triplets. His uniform number 20 will become the first one ever retired by this franchise. One on, one out, pitch coming, it's high again, 3-0. And Gonzalez formerly with Houston, the Cubs, Houston again, then the Tigers before the big breakthrough here in Phoenix. Eventually to the Dodgers in 07, the Marlins in 08. Nearly 2,600 big league hits, around the same amount as former Red Sox Bill Buckner. Next delivery from Tion, that is low, that's ball four. So now two on, Matt Williams coming up, 275 batter, known as the Big Marine, a future big league manager, but this year just a rock solid third baseman. 16 homers, 65 runs batted in. He used to come in with twice that as a Cleveland Indian. Hitting in a lineup with guys like Tomey and Bell and Murray around him. The pitch to the Nevada native. Off speed. It's popped in a left. Wow. Goes after the first pitch after a four-pitch walk. Rice is in. Makes the catch for out number two. Boy, big chance for a big hitter. But Tiant confounds him with a changeup. It was right down the middle. It's now two on, two out. And Mark Grace, the longtime Chicago Cub, is to the plate. No one played in more losing ball games in the decade of the 80s than Mark Grace did. But... Now he's getting used to winning out here in Phoenix, where he's been living most of his off-seasons anyway. 298 batter in and waiting. Now the pitch. Ground ball sharply hit to first. Kostremski right near the line. He's got it. Runs to the bag. And that's the inning. The 0-1 Diamondbacks do not score. No runs. One hit. Two left. And at the end of one, it is still the 75 Red Sox one. The Arizona Diamondbacks nothing. More on the 75 Red Sox. Who else could we possibly go to? Because he was there to chronicle all that. 
great baseball writer, great baseball mind. We talked to Peter Gammons. Well, I think it was it was a really ugly winter in Boston because the Tigers had gone out and made a big move. They were very good then. The Yankees had made a big move. And Dick O'Connell, the Red Sox general manager, kept saying, look, I mean, we think so much of these two guys, Rice and Lynn, we're going to go with them. And, of course, Rice wasn't even in the starting lineup on opening day. Wow. And they ended up having a great right. And Lynn had the historic MVP rookie of the year season. And just everything came together. And all during the season, built around Tiant and Yaz, they just kept, um, they developed this us against them mentality, which I think is one of the most important things in sports. And, um, I mean, they even were all wearing T-shirts in the playoffs, underdogs. And there was so much that went on. I mean, just, uh, um, but the thing that I remember absolutely is something that, that Ken Harrelson said to me, sitting across the aisle on a, pl- on a plane ride early in the season, he said, you know what? This team wins, it's going to win because it's the best outfield in baseball. And it was. Defensively, they were so great. They played to the park. Rick Wise was a fly ball pitcher. He was terrific for them. And, um, I mean, those three guys. I mean, Evans is still, to me, in the top five defensive right fielders I ever saw. And uh, they, they played absolutely incredibly. It was really, really fun um, just to be around them and, and how much... And, the enjoyment they all had, and when I was out in California uh, at the at the um, Scouts dinner, I was with the the grandson of Joe Stevenson, the great oh, wow. Red Sox scout, who's the head cross checker for the Dodgers. Yeah. And uh, I said to Brian, "You know what's amazing about '75? Go to the second game of the World Series. Fred Lynn in center, Dwight Evans in right field, Rick Burleson at short, Bill Lee pitching, all Joe Stevenson signees. That's, That's pretty cool." All right, thanks so much to the great Peter Gammons for checking in. We're going to do that move ahead to further action thing so as to condense the podcast for you, not keep you here all day. In the bottom of the second, Arizona would break through. Damian Miller scoring on an RBI hit from Womack. That nod of the game 1-1, to one, little chip shot in a right for Tony Womack. But then Boston, two in the top of the third. They would get it done on a two-run opposite field of home run by Fred Lynn, surprising a lot of people. Randy Johnson doesn't give up home runs to lefties all that often. One more coming in in the top of the fifth would open it up to 4-1 to one for Boston. It was Jim Rice ripping a single in a right center. That scored Lynn, who had singled. So a nice little start for Fred Lynn on base three times in the first five innings. 4-1 Boston at that point. It stayed that way into the bottom of the sixth. And that's where we pick things up because that's where things would take a turn. It is Luis Tiant still on the mound. Luis Gonzalez. Luis against Luis here. Gonzalez at the plate. And Tiant, yeah, still going at 95 pitches, which reminds us of June 14th. 1974, pitcher's duel for the ages. The Angels would outlast the Red Sox in 15 innings. Two-run Crawley Ostremski homer in the ninth tied it up, sent it to extras before Denny Doyle, then an Angel, had a double that won it. Pitches low, 1-0. Cecil Cooper went 0-8, for 8, six strikeouts for Boston in that game, but the work on the mound gets the headlines. Nolan Ryan, 13 innings, 19 strikeouts for the Halos. Tiant topped him by never leaving the game, went 14 and a third. Screwball from Tiantlo again, 2-0. Now, the pitch counts are on 100% for sure, as things weren't tracked quite so closely 
in those days, but reports indicated 235 pitches for Nolan Ryan. Tiant at 165, amazing. Nobody on, nobody out here in Phoenix. 2-0 pitches outside 3-0. Luis Gonzalez, drafted by the Astros back in 88, played his American Legion ball for the same post in Tampa where Lou Pinella played, Tony La Russa, Tino Martinez, and Gary Sheffield. Post 248 if you're scoring at home. The pitch is low from Tiant. That's ball four. Matt Williams 0 for 2 so far coming up. 4-1 Boston. These Diamondbacks are pretty resilient and played such a gripping World Series against the Yankees here in 01. Three of the last four games ended with the final swing of the bat. Four of the last five games decided by one run. And of course, Game 7, the most compelling storyline of all, Roger Clemens against Curt Schilling. Pitch coming in, it's a strike at the knees, nothing in one. Diamondbacks owner Jerry Colangelo with his NBA team, the Suns, built things very quickly there. He traded for Kevin Johnson midseason, drafted Dan Marley, signed Tom Chambers, did that when his team was 28-54. and 54. The next year they went 55-27. and 27. That's the kind of turnaround they've got cooking here. Next pitch is in for a strike, nothing in two. Colangelo was the GM of the Suns when they lost to the Boston Celtics back in 1976. When you think to 98, they got out 8-31, and, and it was going so bad when Colangelo headed from the Philly airport to Veterans Stadium to give his team a pep talk, his taxi cab broke down. But from 8-31, and they have certainly made some progress. 0-2 pitch on the way. Swing and a miss. Strike three. It's a rough one for Matt Williams here. Louis Tiant gets him with the changeup. And that'll bring up Mark Grace, who is one for two in this one now. It's one-on-one -on -one out. Grace loves playing for manager Bob Brenly. Not sure how he and Buck Showalter would have gotten along. Pitch in the dirt, 1-0. Nice stop by Carlton Fisk. Grace, almost Rookie of the Year in 88, lost out to Chris Sabo. He was ahead of Tim Belcher, but behind Spuds McKenzie. Pitches high, it's 2-0. To a baseball purist, Grace doesn't wear batting gloves unless, uh, unless it's cold out. Doesn't wear sunglasses unless there is a glare. No high tops, no wristbands, no earrings, none of that. See, he would have fit in with Buck Showalter. Tiant to check of the runner at first. Tiant led the Sox in strikeouts here. He could use one right here. The number that led the team in strikeouts was 142. Yeah, for an AL pennant winning team. Rick Wise next at 141. Here's the pitch. It's outside 3-0. Tiant 260 innings this year, same as Bill Lee. 18 wins for him. Lee was 17. Most wins, Rick Wise in this rotation. He had 19. The other guys in the rotation, Reggie Cleveland and Dick Pohl. Grace never would have made fun of that name. Pitch to him is low. It's ball four. Two on and just one out. Action in the Boston bullpen. Jim Burton is loosening, but first Reggie Sanders now. He's a tying man. Reginald Laverne Sanders gained some notoriety in 94 when Pedro Martinez hit him with a pitch to end his bid for a perfect game with one out in the eighth. Sanders charged the mound. Ridiculed by some because why would a pitcher abandon an attempt at a perfect game to intentionally hit Reggie Sanders? 305 career home runs for Sanders, many as a Cincinnati Red. 
Big, strong righty is ready. Here's the pitch. Swing, high drive. This ball's got a shot. Way back in the left center. This ball is gone. It's a tie game in Phoenix. Reggie Sanders off Louis Tiant. And this thing is 4-4. Four four. That's going to do it here for Tiant. Couldn't quite get through in the sixth inning, having to face the meat of the order. Reggie Sanders parks one, makes it a 4-4 game. All right, and again, we're going to spin forward here and make sure that all the action fits neatly into the podcast. Steve Finley follows with a double. And Damian Miller, a flyout, but then Arubiel Durazo pinch hitting. They intentionally walk him. Tony Womack comes through with a base hit, chips it in the left. 5-4 Arizona taking its first lead, and they would pour it on from there. A five-run seventh inning. The whole batch of Boston relievers just unable to get the job done. There were big hits in that inning from Damian Miller. Matt Williams redeemed himself because he had a two-RBI hit. So it was a 10-4 lead. At the end of eight innings, actually, for Arizona, four in the sixth and five in the seventh, Fred Lynn, who had a monster game for the 75 Sox, did have an RBI single in the top of the ninth, too little, too late. Randy Johnson with six innings of eight-hit, four-run ball, and he gets the win. Prins and Brohan, Sable, Mike Morgan, Bautista, they all pitched as well. Tiant, again, relieved by the likes of Murray and Burton and Segui. It just didn't go well in the back half of the ballgame for Boston. So the 75 Red Sox are eliminated. However, the 86 Red Sox are on deck. Next week, it's another 12 versus 5 matchup. We get down to the next set of brackets here, and it's, yeah, Red Sox team is the 5 instead of the 12. The 86 Red Sox will be up against the 93 Blue Jays. Sean McDonough will weigh in since he broadcasts the 93 World Series for CBS. Grew up watching those mid-80s Red Sox. And we'll look forward to a pitching matchup of righties this time. It'll be Pat Henkin against Roger Clemens. So once again, in this one, this is game four on the way to establishing our champion in a field of 48. Our final score from Phoenix, the 2001 Diamondbacks 10, the 75 Red Sox 5. The Throwback League is the name of the podcast. Got a website? Make sure you check it out, thethrowbackleague.com. And when you do download all these episodes, uh, well, go ahead and subscribe. That's the easiest thing to do. But also, if you'd be kind enough, leave us a nice review on iTunes. That tends to, to make people very happy. This is Josh Lewin. Really appreciate you being along for the ride. Until next time, bye-bye.